One of the most divisive things in church today is members bringing to church an attitude of selfishness. Selfishness can quickly give way to discontentment, but it also harms the unity of the church. Join us today as we dive into Philippians chapter 2 and examine the first four verses and see Paul's call to be unified. Know the Word is a McGregor podcast that offers a relevant and refreshing focus on understanding and applying God's Word to your life. We'll discuss life-changing truths of biblical faith that comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. I'm your host, Nathan Bottomley, and joining me today is Jake and Jesse Wallace. Join us as we open the Bible so that we can know the Word. Well, welcome, Jake and Jesse. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Do you guys have any fun facts about you guys we should know? Oh, goodness. Uh, I have gone to this church, I think, my whole life, which is not <laughs> as long as many members, but um, it's been a good run. I've, I've enjoyed going here. Oh, that's good. Um, I don't really <laughs> think this relates to anything, but we're both left-handed. Yeah. So. <laughs> for one random fact. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's a fun fact. There you go. Well... Uh, as we dive in, we've already mentioned that this is our first podcast where we're actually diving into chapter two of Philippians, uh, and we'll be there for the next several episodes. Uh, last time we talked, we got to talk about Philippians as a whole book and go over some of the context that sets up this book. Uh, but today we get to dive in and take a look at just the first four verses is all we're going to try and hammer out. So at the very end of chapter one, Philippians chapter one, Paul tells the church to stand firm in one spirit while telling them also that they will suffer for the sake of Christ. So that's where chapter one ends. And here we go into chapter two where Paul's going to talk about unity. So let's read Philippians chapter two, verses one to four together. Paul writes this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. All right. That's all we're looking at today. Those four verses, which is a, a call to unity. Uh, so let me ask you guys, ask you guys this. Do you think in those first four verses, does anything jump out at you as interesting? I definitely think it's interesting that Paul says to complete my joy by being of the same mind. That's a really interesting way to put it. Yep. I would agree. I think it's interesting that Paul says that they, this church has the ability to complete his joy. Uh, and it actually, it's interesting too, because it lists four ways to do it. So you mentioned the first one, be like-minded or of the same mind. What, do, what does that mean? What do you guys think it means? I'd say that it being like-minded would say that you, you have the same goal or you have the same mindset, which, you know, being in the church, your mindset is Christ. Yeah, thinking the same way. It also says, it's right after that, be of the same love. What do you get? Any thoughts there? What does it mean to be of the same love? Um, to love each other like uh, Christ loves the church, right? So to be on the same page um, and understanding 
uh, what self-sacrificial love looks like, I think is probably what Paul would be getting at here. Yeah. And I think loving others, as you mentioned, like loving others in the body equally as Christ did. And I think one of those famous passages when people start talking about love is first John four, seven to 21. If you want more detail about what this love looks like and what it is to be loving, that's a great passage to jump to. It also says be of one accord. And I don't think we're talking about Hondas. What do you guys, (laughs) what do you guys think's going on there? I mean, you can look at the way the disciples were described when they were on their missionary journey with Christ. They were described to be of one accord. They traveled together. They did things together. And they were just, I don't know. I mean, they um, they were one unity and everything they did was in harmony with each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The apostles were on the same page. They understood the gospel. They preached the gospel, although they had different gifts talents and abilities, um, they had one mission, which is where the word accord comes from, to, to be together. Yeah, I wrote down here, it says, if they were one-souled, mm-hmm. knit together, joined, and Jesse, you said this, joined together in harmony, having the same passions mm-hmm. and ambitions. And then there's four of them, that so it ends with be of one mind, which is super similar to the first one, be like-minded. But uh, yeah, I have written for that one, it's just being intent on one purpose. Uh, so apparently, if the Philippian church were to be these things, it would complete Paul's joy. Well, let me ask you this. If you, I'm reading from ESV, presumably you are as well. It says, well. it says Christ's example of humility. And I know most people start there at verse five. It's a super famous passage, right? Chapter two, verse five down. But it lumps this piece in there. And we see the word humility come out of this passage as well. What do, what do you guys think is going on there? Because we actually see there's humility and in, as opposed to something else. What do you think? I think humility and the thing he's comparing uh, or contrasting really is between conceit and that those are like polar opposites to be conceited and to be um, humble are totally different. Right. What does conceit mean? First time I read this, I wondered. Selfishness is what conceit would mean (laughs) as the short answer um, to be consumed with self Um, and humility would be the opposite to think of selfless, right? Selflessness. Um, I also wrote down that conceit is an empty glory. And I I think we can all agree, empty glory is any glory that isn't for the glory of the Lord Mm -hmm. or isn't the Lord's glory. Uh, so to pursue your own glory is that Jake, as you say, it's a motive rooted in selfish ambition. And we're told what humility looks like. What do you guys think? I think it comes out of verses, uh, three and four humility is what I think some people, you know, it's been mentioned too, right? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. But I think when we look at these four verses, Paul gives us three super simple applications by which we can be humble. What do you what do you think they are? I mean, he says in there to um, he says to count others more significant than yourself. Um, that's kind of the first way when I think of being humble is you think of others like like you said to be um, humble is to not think of yourself less. No, to think of yourself less. I can't think remember. less of yourself. <laughs> that's what it is. So. That is one way you can be humble is to just think of others more than right. yourself. Yeah, I would say it starts in verse three and it says, do nothing, do nothing of selfish 
ambition, so do not think of self as ambition um, or conceit, but in humility, so be humble, count um, others more significant than yourselves. Yeah. So others, I. it's a heartfelt belief that others are more important than me, yep. are of more value, or their problems are bigger than mine. And I think, yeah, and it's complemented by what comes after that too, right? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. It's taking up a vested, sincere interest of other people and what things they might be concerned about, what things they would care about. Well, I want to ask you this. This is, and this is, I think, an interesting topic. So I think we'd all agree. This is Paul really encouraging them to be unified. Okay. How can we be unified or like-minded and maintain diversity? I think you can, you can look at the way God has created us all so differently. We have certain gifts, talents, and maybe certain character traits that God has given some people and not to others. But yet we all have, like we were talking about in the beginning, we all have the same mindset and that mindset is Christ. So God can use you in different ways, um, but yet still have the same goal. Any thoughts? Right, as Jesse mentioned, um, Christians, all people are different, created different, look different, have different talents and abilities and interests, but where Christians should and do find unity is the gospel. Um, if a Christian is following the Lord well, uh, he's diving into the word, becoming more like Christ, like we should be able to unite and agree on scripture and how to be saved and these things that are important. And that's what I think people, no matter what your interests are, what you do for a living, you find a common um, love for the gospel and Christ and all other biblical matters as well. Yeah, I have another question for you. Along these same lines. So yeah, I do agree. I think we're each made uniquely, individually, but that doesn't change that we can still be like-minded of one accord, one mind, have the same love. Okay, here's my next question. So how does it work when spirit-filled people, let me phrase that, spirit-filled Christians, those who are truly saved in Christ, do not see eye-to-eye on issues? Hmm. Well, we would come back to um, how do we respond? I, I don't have an exact scripture in mind, but how do we handle each other graciously and well when there's... Um, a dispute, and I think Paul goes over instructions. Hey, how do we how do we deal with each other? How do we work through disputes? Um, be gracious with one another. Be merciful. These other th- Christ attributes that are applicable uh, from one believer to the next. How to handle uh, conflict? Really? Yeah. Any thoughts? I wish I had an exact scripture reference <laughs> there, but I don't. I have one in a second. <laughs> well, I think that. Um, like Jake was saying, you have to take this if there is a disagreement and know like, how can my words benefit and uplift somebody? You're not, we're not trying to tear anybody down by saying, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. Because sometimes scripture can appear to be unclear about things where, I mean, you talk about the mystery of God. God, maybe he left things to be a little mysterious on purpose, but um as long as we have those core beliefs in scripture, like how to be saved, the gospel, those types of things, like you have to find agreements on those. But if there's other differences, you can't let it steer you away from Christ. Right. So do you guys think there's a point at which it's okay to divide 
not be unified with people? Christians? Over primary issues and some secondary issues. So, okay. <laughs> if you're going to use those terms, let's define what, what then would you, Jake, call a primary issue? Well, I would think um, primary issue would be a gospel related issue, right? If we cannot agree on how a person is saved, then we, that should be something we need to address. Right. And, and it is a hill to die on. Now, secondary issues, um, although important, may not be a hill to die on. Um, and then tertiary. Can you give me an example of a secondary issue? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> hey, you said it. I'm just asking you to qualify it. Is tongues used in the church or not today? Which could, that, <laughs> so that might be a bit you're, of an you're just example. Can, you're just yeah, opening a, a can of worms. <laughs> um, most secondary issues would have to do with how we how worship service is structured. So music choice, um, it's what church you end up in. Yes, it, it is what church you end up in. I see. Well, I do. The scripture I was thinking of actually while we're talking about, is it okay to divide at some point? I think Paul gives us some good information in Galatians. Uh, in Galatians chapter one, Paul writes this. Uh, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And I think it's fair to say, I think that's where the line is between can we be unified or not. I think even, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think even some churches... While they may differ, they can join together around certain points. And I think, Jake, you do bring up a good point. Can we be unified with other churches if, you know, they preach the gospel? Maybe they just do things differently. Maybe it's, this is a very vague word, but maybe they're flavored a little differently. Yeah, the songs they do might be different. Their views on things might be a little different. Maybe their views on the end times are a little different. And there's all sorts of things that we can think about there, but... I think Paul draws the line at the gospel by simply saying, there is one gospel. Mm -hmm. There is no other gospel. And if you believe this gospel and you believe who Christ said he is, then I encourage you to do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant and be unified. So would you agree? I would agree. Yeah, um, definitely. I think Paul's language here in Galatians is, I mean, it, it seems harsh. Let the, the man who preaches a contrary gospel be a curse, but that's, that's the severity the gospel needs to be held to right. in the church. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you guys are young adults. So as am I, uh, how can Christians, let's be more specific. How can young adults, let me ask you this. Do you think young adults struggle with humility? Oh yeah. 100%. Especially in this day and age, it's like, against the norm to be humble. It's all about love yourself and self-care, do stuff for yourself, which is like the complete opposite of humility. Right. It's an elevated self. Mm -hmm. Do you think there are particular air? Do you think we're really good at finding differences and using that as reason to maybe elevate ourself or our pride? Do you think there are some areas in which young adults are 
really struggle with this? Explain a little more what you mean. Yeah, I just like, do you think that like if we're saying young adults have a tendency to be prideful, not humble, do you think like, why are we so prone to that? I think a lot of it has to do with the media and I mean, well, we are sinful people. That is our innate response is to be prideful because that's part of our sin nature. But I really think social media and the news, things like that really elevate that. Yeah. How? Um, Like I kind of said before, there's these bold statements of, like you said, inflated or elevated self about take care of yourself first, put yourself first, um, do what you want to do, love yourself. Well, when you have those types of statements, that completely goes against humility. So when you have a Christian, specifically a young adult who is trying to be humble, you're going to stick out in a good way. But the culture is going to look at you and say that's so against what we're told. Right. So how can Christians, how can young adults put on humility? I mean, we talked about some of the practical ways, but if we, let's, let's say this, Paul, like we said, Paul listed, there's, there's three in there. Humility looks like counting others more significant. It's doing nothing selfishly or from selfish ambition. And it looks to the interests of others. So how can we do that? Do you think there are certain principles or certain just things we can do to be better at that? to be better at being humble? I would say, I mean, like it said in the scriptures, consider others more significant than yourself. Well, that comes with their needs and their problems. So, I mean, a perfect example of something that's super easy to do is, let's say somebody, they call you and they say, oh, like I have a flat tire, can you come help me? Well, what, yeah, that might burden you, maybe you have to leave work or you have to leave your house, but it's like, you're doing it because you want to love somebody, want to help them out. So, and there's so many ways you can do that. I mean, it's um, getting groceries for somebody or helping them move, things like that. There's so many ways you can sacrifice yourself for others. Yeah. I know it's the name of the podcast, but knowing the word is an <laughs> extremely important element in, in sanctification and becoming like Christ, right? So if you wanna be more humble, um, and follow Christ and the apostles' example of humility, you read about it and not just read to read or to know, but read and apply to your life and wear these things and um, just allow the spirit to transform your heart through the word of God, I think is the best way. I mean, it is the only way. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good answer. I think, well, there's a passage in Philippians, right, where it's the Lord's work and our work, right? We need to be diligent in doing and the Lord will do the work. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do think, you know, this is a pretty good, I don't want to say stark reminder, but this is a great passage reminding us that being humble and putting on humility leads to selflessness and selflessness aids in our journey for unity as believers. So might we, from this text, seek to desire and to be humble believers who aim and strive to be unified for the glory of the Lord. Well, thank you, Jake and Jesse, for being on the episode today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. (laughs) It's been fun. I'm glad. Well, join us next time as we dive into one of the most famous Philippian passages, and we talk about Christ's incarnation and exaltation. To our friends that are listening, we trust you will let the word of Christ dwell in you richly this week. No matter how you are getting this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment or review. It really helps us out. 
Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to knowthewordpodcast.com for all of the details. Thanks for listening. Thank you.